Steve, are you well rested today from Daylight Savings? It's ironic that you ask. It has nothing to do with Daylight Savings. I'm a little mentally tired at this moment from the past five or 10 minutes, but other than that, all good to go. Oh my gosh. The, the past five or 10 minutes have been spent with me. Oh, okay. So, so maybe seven to 12 minutes. Oh my God. Okay. All right. Whatever. Um, here we go. It's going to be another long week of stuff Summer says with Steve. With Steve. No, I'm excited. I'm excited to sit here and talk about daylight savings time and Penn State basketball. We will not be talking about Penn State football at all. Um, that's how this week's show will run. No, just kidding. Um, we've got a lot to, a lot to catch up on, talk about, uh, on this week's podcast. Uh, we will talk about Penn State's win over Maryland. We will talk semi-briefly, I think, about James Franklin and the media. Uh, and then we're going to talk about, of course, Penn State's game with Michigan. And uh, I've discovered a new Penn State basketball player that I'm absolutely obsessed with. So we will be talking about that in our Penn nice. State Hoops segment. Um, but before we begin and we go off on rants, are you? I, I feel like you're an early early morning person. So you love this time of year, right? Like this is, you're like, yes, sunlight is, 2 a.m. It's nice to have it early when you're walking the dog early, but it's not. It's like 530 isn't all that much brighter right now than it was a week ago. Realistically, like it's the My days body's are shorter. It's just switching up. Really? Oh, it's it's a whole week of I will not be able to. Sleep. I The problem, the other problem is I worked an extra hour today because I, I woke up at seven thinking it was eight and started working at eight <laughs> when it, my body felt like nine so so you worked an extra hour so, so the man's getting an extra one yeah it's, money it's, it's it's a whole racket it's a whole racket. Uh, okay anyway no it's okay. i don't like I, I it always feels like much ado about nothing to me but i you move the clock you know I mean, because we moved the clocks before we went to bed we were tired on saturday like we moved the clocks at like it was 10 o'clock real time when we went to bed and so we were it's kind of like when i travel i don't change my watch like we could go eleven hours one way or three hours the other way, and I don't change my watch, and it's always on East Coast time. It's always on my home time. When you went to when you went to Ireland and Scotland last year, didn't change it. That's weird, man. All Did right. the math, ticked off Susan, but I always felt like I was on my time when I got back. That's weird. Never changed. I'm finding out my podcast partners are very weird. Um, that's what we're finding out. All right. Anyways, let's talk about. Wait, the did you say partners? Were well, you have another podcast? Okay. Do you have another one? No, I said my par- podcast partner. Okay, just checking. Singular. I thought there was an episode. I thought there was another show. No, there's a, I'm like, damn. It is, it is with Steve, not with anyone else. It will always be with Steve. The website is onlystuffsummersays.com because with Steve is a little, it gets a little long. It's a little long. And that's why you have a segment called with Steve. Gotta have the brand consistent. I'm good with that. Okay. All right. Listen, we're off to a great start today. Okay. Here we go. Let's let's talk about the Penn State Maryland game. Let's let's start there. Um that was, as I wrote about, really the first time all season that Penn State looked like we thought Penn State was going to look like uh, really entering the season. I think most importantly, Drew Aller looked like the Drew Aller that we all kind of dreamt of and thought of. And, you know, he by far played his best game. He didn't necessarily have the most yards, I think. I think he's maybe his third most yards in a game. Um, the season, um, but he did have four touchdowns, which I think ties another game, maybe the uh, Iowa game off the top of my head. He was, he was sharp. He was, this was what we expected. This was what we wanted. Go back and watch really each of the touchdown throws uh, outside of the one to Theo Johnson. And there may be three of his best throws period at Penn state. Um, You know, maybe notwithstanding the, um, Keandre Lambert Smith, Indiana catch. And I, I don't know. I, I kind of have gone back and forth though in the whole, well, maybe he should just throw the pick and he'll, he'll feel better and play better. I don't know. He threw the pick and he's playing a lot better. Like he's a different quarterback right now. So that's where I would start. And I think the other thing is Dante Cephas finally, this was also Dante Cephas that we kind of all had thought of and thought we were giving and going to see. And it, it was it was nice and refreshing and that made me feel a lot more comfortable about this weekend. And we'll save that discussion for later. But um, all in all, uh, uh, what Penn State's supposed to do to Maryland as well. Yeah, I mean, he, he looked really good. And it's what Penn State does to teams that it's better than. I mean, realistically, that they haven't. I guess Northwestern, right, with the slow start in Indiana. 
but you're going to have those games. Like, I mean, they're, they're better than the teams that they're beating. They beat a team that they are much better than in a way that they are much better than. I do think we heard, was it after, what game was it after where they're like, that was last year wasn't a motivation. And then after the game, they came back and said, oh, it was motivation. I think Maryland is always motivation for Coach Franklin. I, I, you know, whatever whatever's there or not, they go down there, they play well. It's like, what, 50, 55 to 8 is the average score down there in his time so that they're going to win this game. Aller played well. The defense played well. The linebackers looked like they were there this time. For, I'm not they haven't been there, but they just haven't been spectacular, you know, as they were at times, I guess, a couple of years ago or even last year. So, yeah, it, it, more than workmanlike. It was enough to – enough to engender some optimism right after where the fan base was two weeks ago. Yeah. I think the other, and I wrote about it too, but I, I agree with you on the linebacker specifically with Abdul Carter for much of this season, he did not quite look like the Abdul Carter we saw last year. And I wonder if he just kind of maybe felt the weight of his shoulder on his shoulders this year. And for whatever reason, things just clicked on, on Saturday. And I think that was, that was really the, the message, the feel in general to that game. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely agree with you about the, I feel much better about where Penn state is this Monday, even though I was optimistic last weekend or last Monday when we talked, I, I, I think if, if all things considered, yeah, there's, there's momentum going and I, I'm excited about it. Um, I feel good about it. Um, what I do not feel good about is Maryland stadium. Um, it is, it's, it's getting rough. Um, it might be the second worst stadium in the big 10, um, love their food. It's great food, but it just kind of sucks. Like there's any for it. They're cl clearly still waiting on the TV money to come in. I think would be the best way to describe it. <laughs> and I think it most, mostly shows in the scoreboard situation at, at the end zone that has the seats in it. There is a very large scoreboard, maybe one of the bigger ones in the Big Ten. And then at the other end zone, there is a scoreboard probably about the size of the screen that you're probably watching this podcast on. Um, so that's that would be one gripe there. And it, I don't so know. It'll be I, the worst. It, it'll be the worst when Northwestern gets renovations done. Yeah, I think okay. so. I think Just so. making sure I knew what the next other next one was on the bottom of your list. Um, I don't know. Maybe if they it spent was... less money on uniforms, they could spend some money on the on the stage. <laughs> There it is. I they were bad. Like I, I didn't realize how bad they were until I watched the game back on TV. They just have a home uniform and a away uniform. I appreciate. And are they still with Under Armour? Did that go? Did yeah, Kevin no, Plank they're still under, them. Okay, okay. Somehow it's gotten worse, even though the helmets have simplified. Okay, we got to spend the money somewhere to prove that you have that creativity. Yeah, I, I don't know. I was I was thinking about this in the context of Penn State versus Maryland, and and kind of the haves and the haves nots of college football. And like it Saturday served as a good reminder of what life could be like if you cheered for a different university. And I think that that showed through. That was the, even before the game, the funniest part of me, we talked about schedule last week, I guess a little bit, but the schedule stuff for the big 10, when they talked about it um, on the big 10 network, Howard Griffith was pitching that Penn state finishes with Maryland. And that could be the game that becomes a rivalry. I'm like, stop it. We, we've done, we've done Michigan state. We've done Rutgers. It's like 42, three and one or 43, two and one. Now after that, there's no rivalry, never has been just stop it. I'm okay. Being unrivaled Buy some, buy some stuff that says no rivals and we'll be fine. Like it's just, just silliness. Right, that's a good plug. That was a good smooth one. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I just wanted that to bring that up. I did watch the game back. Um, I do the, I always do the BTN 60 minute things, but Jason Benanetti was very good. Um, I, I really mm -hmm. enjoyed his call of the game. Um, he was funny. He was, it was, he had the right tone for college football, and I think we've talked about that before. That's an important thing for an announcer to have. Um, how was the broadcast from your perspective, Steve? Good. Well, I think he's good. I think you're probably – it's usual Fox stuff, right? Like, I think Brock Hewitt is good, but it's hard to hear him with Fox, with the ambient sound and whatever. I mean, it just – I don't know. Maybe maybe my ears are getting old, but I don't think so. I think they do such so much loud stuff. I think Brock Hewitt is insightful and good. There was one piece of the broadcast that I was changing, exchanging texts with – one of our listeners with uh, the first Cephas touchdown, like they reviewed it. And I'm like, I don't know. Like, I think he has control when he's out of bounds. I don't know if you think he has control when he's in bounds. Like I, I thought that was, I don't know if it was a gift, but it was certainly not like 
clearly inbounds when he had control when I saw it in the multiple reviews there. But it that's made me, the broadcast was good. It made me wonder if there was one of those angles that isn't shown type thing. And it maybe that's what the conclusive evidence was. I was a little surprised going back and watching it. I mean, it was a hell of a catch. It's just very close. Um, and even, right. but it, what was weird was when they went to Dean Blandino to get him his opinion, he was pretty confident in it. He was like, yes, like. I know. And I'm like, man, until I, I see that foot hit, the foot that the, the pebbles blow up and it's, it's the foot that's out of bounds when it clearly has the ball to me. But Blandino was like, yep, there it is. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a good, it was a good Fox broadcast. How's that? Because I turned into NBC late last late that night. And man, it just looks so much better and sounds. It's just amazing how different that is. It just feels more important. There's something inherently, I don't know if off is the right word, but off with the Fox broadcast that during like my watch back of it, I was like, wait a second, was this game on Fox or was it on BTN? Like it just, I don't know. It just doesn't feel a quality for a network i can i can live with btn not having the best game and i can live with you know i can really live with even fs1 not having the best game or um any of the networks that that aren't nbc cbs or fox having the best games but it's 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 just kind of doing a disservice i think would be the best way to describe i think for all the money they spend it feels like it should feel better and look better but it just doesn't and i get last week's was not the game but even the the secondary game at places should still it's, look and feel better. Right, it's your number two. It, it, it in your pecking order is your number two broadcast, and you should still be sending your number two truck and your number two cameras, your number two equipment, essentially. And it it feels like the drop off between one and two for Fox is a Ferrari and then a Toyota Camry. I, although Toyota Camry is a very dependable. That looks car. like a pretty good car. Huh? Yeah. That's a bad example. Um, okay. All right. Thank you. Um, all right. Let's, let's take a a second to talk about the James Franklin thing. Um, if you didn't catch it after the game, let's, let me take a step back. James Franklin's had a weird year with the media, I think would be the best way to describe it. Um, testy, I guess would probably be a word that comes to mind. And I, I, I don't know if it's just expectations, pressure, et cetera. Um, but it's been a weird year. We'll, we'll talk about the, the press conference moving to Mondays, um, as a part of it, but there was a quote after the game from James Franklin. Um, I'm going to steal it from Mike Poorman's article. Um, this is Mike Poorman's official shout out on this podcast. Again, his weekly shout out that we give him, um, for his, well, I give him for his all 22 article. I think Steve likes the article too, but I, I like it more. Um, no one's a bigger fan. Um, anyways, here's the quote from Franklin quote. We got a, we got a win last week, built on it, got better, got better this week. That's something that's really important. We've won a decent amount, not as much as everyone wants. I get that. But I also think we've taken winning for granted a little bit. We win games and you come into the press conference and it doesn't necessarily feel like that. My comment back to James Franklin would be, that's not, that's not their jobs. Like they, they are just there to ask the questions. That that is that is their jobs. Um, if he wants that, love Brian Tripp. He can go talk to Brian Tripp, or he can go talk to somebody that gets paid from Penn State Athletics, because that's what that those people are there for. I think we've talked about the radio crew; they do a great job of being relatively, uh, you know, unbiased as, as much as possible. I don't know. It was a weird thing to blow up on. I guess you said you said Dave Jones's article had a little bit of tidbit about it um, with the fan yeah, interaction. I, yeah, I think more context. Um, and honestly, I before I get that, like I want to I want to go freelance someday when some coach says that and and have the ability to be a freelancer and just leave the room, like just be done, like just fold up the notebook and walk out and be like, yeah, I'm gonna I'm going to get my pom poms, coach. I'll be back later. Like I I just I don't know what they expect when they come in that room. They're there to answer questions. He wants questions sooner rather than later because of moving the news conference. There it was. But yes, apparently after the end game ending, Dave Jones on the sideline, Franklin's working the sidelines, you know, high-fiving some fans saying congratulations after the game. And some fan yells over the din, over the din, just beat Michigan. And and Franklin turned around and was like, well, can't we even enjoy this for 15 minutes? So I think that probably set the tone because I didn't know that 
when I saw the video or saw the clip of the video early on. And that seems to set the stage because because the media hadn't done anything when he walks in the room or even in the first question or so. So it had to be the fan. And and I'm sorry, you don't get to be the coach and say, well, you do get to be the coach and do whatever you want. But you can't say, I get it. I understand when you don't really understand what people are coming at this from. They're coming at it from a different perspective than you. Penn State fans need you to win two games this year in their mind. That's it. They care about Michigan and Ohio State because the other ones are taken for granted unfortunately, because of your success. And I think often that context is lost on coaches because they're focused on other things. Um, but I think they should be self bigger, not even self-aware, program aware enough to know that, to know that, okay, that's what matters. You're not getting appreciation in the media room. That's not their job. And, and I think even the whole thank you for coming out every week, thank you for doing it. I think it's unnecessary. I mean, it sounds polite and whatever else, and I'm sure it is. Maybe it's genuine, I don't know. Beginning to thank the media for doing their job. They're going to be there no matter what, but it's not their job to cheer for you when they come in. And it sounded like it was a fan that kind of set that thought process in motion post game. The the thank you thing is interesting to me, and I wonder if that is simply a I coached at Vanderbilt, where there are mm -hmm. twenty other things in Nashville that are a lot more important, um, mm -hmm. and, and and probably is closer to not the tick off pit people, but probably closer to pit in terms of pecking order in terms of uh, entertainment dollars in, in that city for sure. Um, you know, and it's harder to get that. So I, I do understand to a degree where that comes from, but yeah, it, it goes back to even like the Dabo thing. I, I'm not comparing Franklin to Dabo by any means. Cause Dabo's just, he's, he's nuts. But it's like people have, have like people want to hold you accountable, and part of the people that get to hold you accountable are both journalists and fans, and that's that's how this job works that you chose. You know, that's why you so. get paid what you get paid. I right. just, I just, I think, I think you should be program aware enough and, and situationally aware enough to know that's the, that's the deal, right? That, that's that's what fans are going to say. I mean, if if some fan didn't shout that. At after the game, they should lose their fan card. Like if somebody in the thousand or so fans that are there is like, great job, now go beat Michigan. You know, maybe they missed that part of that when he said it. Maybe they missed the great job. Maybe ignored that part of the game. Maybe the guy didn't say it. But that's that's the standard coming into the season. We, we talked about it nine weeks ago. What, what's happened to the season? Well, got two games matter, realistically. And yeah. the other ones are taken for granted, unfortunately. That's how college football works. They're taken for granted until you lose them. <laughs> and then they matter a lot, those other ones. Well, and I think even in the context of moving the press conference, like, I don't know. You you wrote about it last week. I think it was last week at this point. Um, and, and really hammered home that the questions aren't necessarily going to change. It's just they're happening one day earlier. Um, and, and I think, again, going back to that holding you accountable, that accountability comes from fans being upset or happy in the media asking the questions that they ask. And I think for the most part, like I think there are times that Penn state's media probably could be a little bit harder on James Franklin. Right. But they also have to toe the line. And we've talked about that line that they have to toe with every beat reporter that's been on this podcast of, well, I don't want to screw up my access too bad. And I certainly respect that and understand that. But I think ultimately Penn state's beat does a great job at kind of finding that that fine line of asking the tough questions when they want to be asked it is sometimes case in point the Corey geiger throwing a deep question completely fair and fine question to ask james franklin made that into something and i think that is on the coach to for his, for his pr motivated as he is and for as polished image as he he tries to be He's got to. He's got to remember. You know, he can. He's the one actually controlling the power in that situation. So how he responds makes it into a bigger thing. Here we are on this podcast, which was going to get billions of listens talking about this, but it, it, it's turned into a thing. It was highlighted well, it was in a, several was, column, columns this week. It was a thing today in a news conference, right? He, he right. said at some point, you know, I'll have to take some shots, and I know you guys will appreciate that or something like that. So he's made a thing. It's it's not to the level of elite 
that he made something a few years ago out of, but it was, and, and it just seems like it could be so simple. And we are now at the part of the season where he starts dissecting the questions. I know you got to ask that. I know what's going on. I've got this. Just answer the question. The media know that you're answering and also have to, and, and that the players are listening and the sponsors are listening. Just answer the question. And you don't have to answer it well if you don't want to, but but don't 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 show me how the sausages make. Just hand me the hot dog with the answer. He did that today a couple of times, both both the negative of that, which is kind of what you were getting at, but also the the positive of that of like. I, I forget what the exact question was, but it was just a very he gave a very simple answer of like, essentially, yeah, no shit. Like that was that was kind yeah. of his answer. Um, and I. Yeah. I don't know. Like Penn State just won. If if Penn State had lost, then he's probably got to do that a little bit more. Like he's got to explain himself a little bit more. But Penn State just won. Like there was no, I don't know. There was no need for it. It was a bizarre moment. Um, and I, I, I don't know. It was, it was weird. It, it's and he's had a lot of weird moments this year, like that. That because he had it late this year in the past month. Realistically, it feels it's, from it's Ohio maybe State yeah. Now. It, it like. Well, it started well, pre-Ohio State. It started with the Geiger thing. It started with right. with, with and Corey, listen, Corey said that he probably should have rephrased the question or asked it in a different way, but it was a hundred percent a fair question to ask. It's a question that every single person that that attends Penn State football games goes and thought for up until that point of why aren't why aren't you throwing it deep? This guy's got the best arm apparently ever. Why aren't you throwing it deep? And it it's it spiraled. A couple of times it popped up. It popped up last week. Even I think there was mm-hmm. a it at the at the maybe it was two weeks ago at the at the Wednesday press conference. It, it popped up in the fact that he wanted to move the press conference. And it's yeah, I don't know. I, maybe he's just feeling the pressure a little bit more. And it's that this is how his outlet on it. Um, as we sit here, yeah, I think like, so. I, like, I think it. it to to really overthink it, right? It, 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 the criticism with, with Coach Franklin has been game day coaching. He can recruit, but there's the decision making during the game. They they do something, whatever else. It feels like the whole media stuff when he struggles, and he doesn't struggle always, but he struggles at times. Is when you overthink it, right? When you start thinking about the what ifs and if this and if that. You know, I think just just do it. Don't tell don't tell people what you're doing. Just do it. I think that may, those things feel in my mind that they translate a little bit. All right. Anything else you want to add there? Feel good about that? No, sir. Okay. Oh, he did hint. He did hint today at the news conference, which is probably something that's not exciting for fans about how it could be, you know, a game. How do you say it? That you got to be more patient with. He mm-hmm. and he did say, you know, there's going to be times when you have to punt. So if you're looking forward to some big now, again, unless he's playing some super three level mind game, which I don't think he is, I think it's going to be like there's not a good not going to be that stuff going forward on fourth and three from like your own 45 kind of stuff. I just would be surprised. No, I think he knows that he has to. And I think this goes back to the Ohio state game, right? Like they overthought everything in the Ohio state game. And and that's why they got to the position that they were in of, of kind of screwing themselves. I don't, I think Penn state, like they probably certainly could have executed much better in that game. Drew Aller probably could have played a much better game that day, but really when you go back at it and you look at like the big brain just forgetting because of the the laundry change type thing yeah like you shouldn't be doing that and i think that's got to be the lesson he learns this that he's he learned that week that he takes into this week and i think it's at least if you're paying attention to the way we pay attention it is refreshing and nice to hear that because that he is correct like it is going to take a patient game to beat michigan um and i think that's that's a good good call. Let's um let's stick there with the Michigan game. Um I, I've been thinking about it. Um I am much more optimistic about it as as I sit here now than I I did probably the week after Penn State played Ohio State, even the week after Penn State played Indiana. I I, I feel a lot better about it based on the performance I, I saw on Saturday. I was thinking about it a little bit and there's probably like three Darians right now out there floating in the universe. I'm going to 
bear with me on this this one, Steve, because it's a little. I'm bit good. I'm sitting down. Okay. So there, there's the optimistic Darian, the anxious Darian, and the reality Darian. Okay, those are those mm-hmm. are our our three Darians. Those are what you're going to get this week, because um, I think that sets the optimism level as solid. Darian OARs basically. Yeah, right. solid right here. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so let's let's go through the optimistic Darian. Michigan has not played anyone this week, this year. They they have not mm-hmm. like they just they, they haven't. I don't know what their most impressive one is because I, I I haven't really beat anyone. Um, their non-conference schedule suck. Maybe the Purdue game, honestly, maybe the Purdue game was their their toughest win yet. Um, also in the optimistic Darian's corner is the fact that Penn State looked very good on Saturday. Like Penn State looked like a top ten, top five team that they were supposed to look like, and I think a lot of that stems from the fact that. Number one, the quarterback played well. The wide receivers played well. The tight ends played well. Even the running back who didn't get 100 yards but almost got 100 yards played pretty well. And then the defense all season long outside of two plays against Indiana and and not even one play against Ohio State, maybe one play against Ohio State, has been the best Penn State defense of my lifetime. So that's optimistic, Darian. That's why I'm eager looking forward to Saturday's game. Anxious Darian sits a little bit in the the middle, I guess, would be eh, a little bit below middle. I think reality Darian probably sits the most in the middle. Uh, it is probably going to be harder to win this game for Penn State than it is it was for against Ohio State. I think Penn State matches up worse against Michigan than they do Penn State against Ohio State. I think they're better built to beat Ohio State, even though they didn't beat Ohio State this year. So there's that's that. the conventional wisdom. And I think you're yeah. probably right. I mean, that's what everybody they accepted, right? They 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 built themselves to beat Ohio State. And then it turned out Michigan got better all of a sudden the past couple two seasons, and now they might be a different team to, to deal with. Yeah, I mean, and the results show Michigan has beat Ohio State two years in a row. Right. And, it, and you know, if they lose again, God bless Ryan Day. He's probably never going to be allowed back in the state of Ohio. Um, but also with the anxious area comes the fact that to kind of counteract that Penn state is a different team at home. I, I think we've seen that time and time again, outside of really the Ohio state series over the last few years, they've beat pretty much everyone at home, um, regardless of who comes in there. And yes, like obviously the last time Michigan came into Beaver stadium, they, they won, but you know, there have been some good Michigan teams that have walked through there and, and James Franklin's led them to victory. That being said, what I struggle with the most in the whole entire situation is the track record of, of it not being there. So is this still anxious or do you have, this is still anxious. We're still an anxious there. The, the track record of James Franklin not being there is that state hasn't won a big game of conference importance since what? 2019 you can make the argument 2016 like it's and that's why i think i'm the most anxious and it's very much a i'll believe it when i see it type thing so i think that's where i sit on that 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 side any any i'll let you rebuttal or well i was waiting to see if we get the whole spectrum are we gonna do you want me to go okay let's hear him too all right so realistic darian is this I don't know if Penn State's going to win. I, I'm not going to sit here and be as confident as I was about the Ohio State game because it's just that's not logical. But I don't know. I think there's there's a part of me that knows that James Franklin knows this is this is it. This is the most important game of James Franklin's career. Point blank, up until this point, like this is going to decide a lot of things about James Franklin's legacy at Penn state, because if Penn state wins and then goes on to assumingly beat Rutgers and beats Michigan state, Penn state's 11 and one. Finally, James Franklin gets 11 regular season wins as a a head football coach. Right. And maybe they don't make the playoff, but they're at least 11 and one. And and I can live with the fact that at least they beat, they did enough to put themselves in a better consideration than they did when they almost went in 2016 and dropped the ball in 2017. And I think that's where realistic Darian 
sits primarily right now is like, okay, let, let's just see what happens. The game's at home. There's a lot going on with Michigan. There's a lot of momentum right now with this football team. And I, I don't know. I, that's about where I'm at with it. So I just wanted to walk everybody through that. Um, and I also, I don't know. I said, I know I, I'm going to stick by my guns. I said, Penn State was going to go 11 and one. And I, they have a very real chance of doing that. I, 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 they do that. I think if they win on Saturday, they'll, they will do that. I really do. And were you going 11 and one and you didn't know which one of the two it was going to be in your mind? No, Just... we both, we both thought it, you and I were flipped. I thought it, they were going to be at Ohio state. And I think you thought that they were going to beat Michigan. Okay. I think and that's what we said. I just can't remember. I just, I don't, I don't want to back down from that because I'm not a quitter. <laughs> well, I think from, from optimistic to realistic, I think, I think that Darian, all three of them, if you, if you placed him over the, the feelings and emotions of the other 100,000, 107,000 fans or so who will be in the stadium, 110, if they get there on time on Saturday and they should, cause lots will be open earlier and they'll be there at six o'clock. What will they be doing at six o'clock in the parking lots? This with an ad. Uh, they will be drinking Death Wish coffee. Um, I don't know if you know this, but Steve's wearing his Death Wish co- coffee sweatshirt. Um, I also got mine. It's very comfortable. Um, Death Wish coffee is having an NIL uh, special, uh, an NIL deal with three um, football players, one from Penn State, one from Ohio State, and one from Michigan. Uh, who is it? We don't know because they don't want to get the player in trouble because the NCAA has dumb roles. So um, I think it's still Dominic DeLuca, especially after Saturday. Maybe Tony Rojas is sliding up on that list, but um, that was good. So I think I think the circles cover all those people who have tailgated with the coffee and come in. It's somewhere between optimistic and realistic, right? Like what's going to happen is somewhere between that. You, you've got the whole thing. It's gonna, something in the middle there is going to happen. Yeah. I don't know that I'm more optimistic based on the Michigan game, but I don't know that I'm any less optimistic than I was before Ohio State. Like there's just... Penn State has played half decently well in big games, perceived big games, maybe not the biggest games, right? Um, because otherwise you wouldn't be four and 15 or whatever it is against the two schools that matter. But they do have more than a puncher's chance at this, I think. Um, Michigan hasn't played anyone. I do think they benefit from all the noise around them because I think they can shut it out. I think they can say it's us against the world. Nobody likes us. It's like Ryan Day after Notre Dame. Oh, everybody's against Ohio State. Yeah, Ryan, everybody's been against Ohio State forever. Stop it. Right? Like, there's just no way. Um, but they played three games without the coach already, right? So so even if they don't, it's, it's not like they have – or they played three or four to start season three, right? Four. I think it was four. four. It was at least three. It was at right. least three. So, so if, if for some reason he isn't there, it's not a big deal. Like, it's just really not yeah. at that point. They've done the game. They've done all the preparation leading up to it. Um, but but I don't think Penn State's going to get blown out. I think it's going to be a it's going to be a, a score or two one way or the other. So if it's that way with the talent Penn State has, they've got a chance. Um, and, and I guess I did think they were going to beat Michigan coming in at my 11-1. So I'm not a quitter either, right? Like, they're going to win. Um, or they're going to, you know, they've got to win to be, be 11-1 in my book. I don't know if it's about coach franklin's legacy so much as it is about his percept the perception of him i mean with solidifying the perception because his legacy is he's not going anywhere right like it's not like there's going to be a move as a result of this right because he's here next year no matter what he's here the year after that no matter what unless he decides he wants to go somewhere else so i think it's about perception and perception is reality but I think it's about solidifying that perception i mean good lord if they go to four and 16 against these two teams in his tenure you know, 20 shots at him and he can only get four wins. That's, that's just doesn't sound or look good on paper or on the internet, you know? It's, well, right. And I think that's kind of where I'm coming from on that. It's like, right. That's what you're always going to be remembered for. And this is your last chance to, yeah. to buck that trend. Right. Because next year, the rules change, current, right? Right. Yeah. Everything is different. Right. Very so maybe different. So maybe it is year. more legacy. Next year, yeah. the rules change, right? So you got to go do is be one of 12. Yeah. I don't, and anxious is what makes this stuff fun, right? Like this is, that's why you go. I mean, it's no fun going to the games. You know, they're going to win by three touchdowns because then when they don't, you're ticked. Hello, Indiana, you know, or it's boring. Hello, pick any other team. It's in the non-conference schedule for the next decade of your life. So 
yeah, that's what makes these games fun. So I think anxious is great. And I, and I, I'm not sure they're going to lose, but I'm not sure they're going to win either. And that's what'll make it enjoyable. That's a really good point. I, I was talking to my former college roommate, Andy Medora about this prior to the Ohio state game. And he's like, I'm just excited to watch them play meaningful football. Like right. it's, and I even had that thought. I even had that thought during the Maryland game, probably, probably around the time Bo came in to kind of really shut down the game there with like five, six minutes left. I was like, <laughs> I'm kind of bored. Like, I'm going to stay till the end because I've, you know, I paid money to do this. And but, yeah, you want them, you want them to play to the moment and play. It's still an entertainment business. God, I'm starting to sound more and more like you weren't every day, but it's still an entertainment business and you want to get your money's worth and get your money's worth includes a very good game against Michigan. And, and I think, I don't know. I, I think I just will going back to the, the Franklin thing. I will just, I will feel better. I will, I will sleep better as a Penn state fan at night, knowing that James Franklin at least gave Penn state the best possible chance which he hasn't always done that. Um, and I think this is, it's it just kind of really, I hate to say it and put the ultimatum on it, but it just feels like now or never. Like like next year, like you said, the roles change. Like it's going to be harder, but also easier. And it's, it's going to just be about making the playoff and then getting in and seeing what happens once you're in. Now it's about getting in, just point blank getting in because it's it's so hard to get into the college football playoff at least it feels that way as a penn state fan for the last since 2016 so i don't know know what else for for saturday that feels interesting to me and kind of snarky i guess as i I get ready to say it right like there's no way that if they win if penn state wins on saturday that that one and oh feeling at four o'clock in the afternoon feels the same as 1-0 against whoever the heck it was early oh, in the season. Oh, 100%. Right? Like, I appreciate and understand why a coach does that. I know it. And, and Penn State is all in, right, from the branding above the tunnel now, walking in. And God, you even hear the coaches saying, oh, we just want to be 1-0 this week and other teams and other sports. But I'm sorry. There's no way this 1-0 would feel like any other 100%. 1-0 the rest of the season. I thought about that even in the context of the quote we were, we were talking about. It was – you know, he he said something about right. we can't we enjoy this for fifteen minutes type thing, and maybe that was that was a few weeks ago he said that. But it, it kind of just thinking about that context, and you're not going to say that when you be, when you beat Michigan, like you're not like you're admittedly treating the games different. We're getting into nitpicking now, but I it, I a hundred percent agree with you on on that one because it's it's a I don't know. I, I think it's a legacy-defining win, or a. I, I think it's is. I really do. Like I think it's. This is. It's no, more this nuanced, is his, but this, this is how is we're going to last run. chance. Yeah, this is Penn State's last chance to make the fourteen playoff. Period. It's his last chance to make the fourteen playoff. They got to win this game Saturday to make the fourteen playoff. If they don't, that doesn't mean they're not going to have a respectfully good season. A top. 10 top 15 season season that many other programs would be jealous of but it is like so now i'm going to come back your direction it is more legacy defining because there if the, then then you will have never made the playoff in the 14 era right. and that's decidedly harder than what's going to be the 12 team era right okay i feel good about it i feel better feel, feel, feel better better that we talk that through i guess would be the best way to say it all right, let's uh let's briefly talk about talk about Penn State basketball real quick. Um the real moment you've all been waiting for, and then we'll get to this week's old guy, young guy. Um Penn State basketball currently playing its first game of the season. They are up 39 to 18 over Delaware State. Um I wrote about it this week, but I, I think for Mike Rhodes, it's making sure the program stays relevant. And I think that is hard to define without them necessarily making a tournament, but it's there are no more excuses. It can be done. We watched somebody else do it. Mm-hmm. So you, you can do it here. Like it's, 
And you're supposedly maybe a better coach, at least at the college level, because you have a proven track record of winning. So that helps, helps too. Um, And I, but I think for me, like it is, it's, there's a balance there. And that's what I tried to write about is like that grace period that he's going to get a grace period, deserves a grace period because it is Penn state basketball. It's not Duke basketball. It's not North Carolina basketball. This is, Penn State basketball that still does kind of live in the shadow of Penn State football, regardless of of one tournament run. And it, and it felt like that was a momentum turning tournament run and then the momentum took a step back. And now it's, I don't know, maybe in the middle somewhere. Um, but also that being said, like this is this is like Pat Kraft's little guinea pig experiment. Like it's it's a side <laughs> project that we're gonna be like, you did. You did okay with football. You did okay with Beaver Stadium. You did okay with all of that stuff. But if you can make Penn State basketball into something, and and that hire specifically came from you, you're really like I, I think the athletic director position at Penn State probably is a very important position. But you look back back at the last few, and most of them aren't regarded well just because of decisions that they made. It's an easy win. It's a, it's another easy win. It's it was much like with the baseball situation. If you if you can hire a good decent baseball coach that can make the baseball the baseball college world series or or even just like the the tournament for that, like yeah, like those are easy wins that, that prove that we well me as donor can can fork over more money to you and and, and feel confident that you'll do something good with it. That's fair. Um. I think grace period for me is a shade shorter. I don't know. I don't know how long. I think because it can happen here. I think because of NIL, right? Because this this roster was reshaped with nine new players in a span of what fifty nine days this spring, right? You know, and, and it, I think that'll be interesting to see how they come together as a team. We won't know for a couple of weeks, easily maybe more, till you know you get through the non conference schedule of games you're again supposed to win that are taken for granted and whatever else. Um, I don't know that I'm expecting tournament this year, but I, I think as they invest in it and they're not investing in a vacuum, all their competitors are investing as well, right? In NIL stuff and program things and, and stuff like that. It, it does, it doesn't feel as unattainable as it felt three or four years ago for the basketball program to be good on a consistent basis. So I think there's a grace period, but it feels a little shorter to me just because because of the free agency and the NIL stuff. Like, okay, you've got the guys you want. Let's go ahead. Let's see it. I was going to ask you, is it more NIL or is it more transfer portal? Because well, they're, they're tied together, right? Like, you think they're tied? Okay. I mean, because you're in, in theory, you've got the guys you want. So if right. you've got the guys you want, go ahead and go win. Right. right? So for me, that shortens the grace period a little bit. Yeah, that's, that's a good argument. And I feel like basketball... I don't know if benefits is the right word. And, and when I say basketball, I mean college basketball, not Penn State basketball. College basketball benefits from the transfer portal slash NIL probably a little bit better just because there are so many basketball players mm-hmm. in the country that and it, you know, if you get one good basketball player, you're going a lot farther than maybe one good football player. Obviously, there are exceptions to that role, but you know. You don't need as many supporters from then I right. support as many players, right? Right. I mean, and financially for players like, like Zach Eady at Purdue, right? Like he stuck around and said, oh, financially, it's kind of a wash if I stay here and go pro. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. well, isn't that great in West Lafayette? But I'm sure he's not alone wherever he's at. So good for him and for Penn State, for whatever whatever their players are getting to be there, or however they've come together to be there. I think it's always a challenge to bring new bodies, especially nine of them on a team, and figure out who's playing where and what's going on. They got a couple early season injuries. Guys, you know, they didn't play the first game, which isn't a bad thing, but they, they, they could have figured it out. But yeah, I'm I'm intrigued and interested, but I think my grace period is just a little shorter just because I know they can do it. And yes, you've got your guys, so go ahead. I was just going to ask, are you are you watching it with a – because you're not the biggest Penn State basketball fan, but you are, you're a fine, casual Penn State basketball fan. Are you watching it with more of a microscope than you have in the past? I'll be interested when I see games early on, um, when they start getting on TV, just to see what they play like, what it's like. You know, I'll look at the box score and look at the box score tomorrow or tonight, depending on, you know, if I get enough interest, the game's over to look at the box score. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I, I would like them to be good. I mean, I my, I was probably more of a basketball fan in college here, right? Because we could get into Rec Hall, you're sitting in the first row, come from a podunk little high school, and you get to see Division One basketball. We were in early, we were doing whatever else. I covered it at the Collegian. Like, it was probably a little more interesting to me than football was at times. And, and it's kind of like the Pirates, Penn State's mediocrity. Mediocrity, yeah. Kind of drove that phantom out of me a little bit. So... Dip my toes in and give it another shot, but you know I probably dip, dip them in as far as old guy grumpiness about nil lets me right. Like there's that line, right? Like I want to be invested and interested, but I'm I don't know. Like it, we got the thing where we got there was the announcement today about the nil director and what they're going to do, and you can click here to give money at the end of the release. And I'm, I'm sure that I'm sorry that part's just not me. Like I get it, but go ahead and win, and I'll be happy to cheer for you and buy a couple tickets each year for a couple single games and come on out. So we'll see. And they're not asking me to climb anything. So I'm a big fan of that. So that that's a good thing. There it is. There it is. All right. That's good. That's good. All right. This week's old guy, young guy, we'll, we'll get through it real quick. Steve, I will let you ask the question because I I know what it's related to, but I forget what the exact question is. Yeah, so I had to look it up. So the, the prompting of the question was old guy, young guy, milk drinking is what came up because there's a, there's apparently a, a shortage of half pint milk containers across the U.S. for high school for meals at cafeterias in the United States. Like the milk, the carton, the carton mm-hmm. producer mm-hmm. has like promised more than they have available. So schools are having a hard time getting half gallon or little pint, you know, the cardboard things, just your milk came in. And I just, I guess my perception is kids drink less milk now than they used to. So that felt me like an old guy, young guy thing. Um, when the girls were home, we would go to Meyer Dairy and they had a thing where you could get like one, two, one, two, three, four gallons, like two, four, four half gallon containers in each hand. And I would go out with like, I'd get four gallons like once a week at Meyer Dairy for one thing. People were like, wow, how big is your family? I'm like, oh, there's four of us. Like, how long will that last you? I'm like, we'll go through like a gallon a day. Like my girls drink milk. I drink milk. What? So when they were in high, when they were in high school, we, we would go through almost that is, a gallon that every is two disturbing. days. I'm sorry. That is disturbing. Bones. They have strong bones there. Healthy. Oh my God. That is. Oh, you. I, that I was back when people drank milk. That right was 15 now. years ago when people drank milk. Now they don't, people don't drink milk. I'm just, I am so disturbed. I'll still go this. through. I can still go through. Well, you drink chocolate milk every game. You go to the creamery and buy chocolate milk. Yeah, every but game I mean, day. I can have milk for breakfast and I'll have something milk for dinner. I can probably go through two big cups, which is probably a lot of milk. So yeah. That is so weird. I, I know, see, because people don't drink milk like they used to. As someone that never really drank milk, like I, I don't enjoy the taste of milk to me tastes like it, it tastes fine, but it's like, I don't, I only want that flavor. Like I only want that flavor. And I don't want to combine it with other food I'm eating or, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not. And so that's why I never really drank milk. I am absolutely disturbed at the amount of milk. It was. Just, I'm trying to drink more wet water with milk, water with dinner now, and whatever else, because of, you know the milk's probably not as good for me as it used to be. But when the kids were in middle school and high school, we could go, we could do you, put away a lot of milk. Do you eat eat? Do you eat or drink milk when you eat spaghetti? Because I know of people that do that, and that's, that's no, that would probably be water, or like iced tea or something, right? Because those are two thick things, right? You can't have two thick things together. I I wow yeah no we no. I, I, Anna was a big drink, but milk drinker growing up, apparently. But I never was. A lot of iced tea, not milk. Oh God, I, I am, I am, I am alarmed at the amount of milk the wait, Samsel wait, wait. family. So, had. what kind of iced tea? Like the the Schneider stuff, or turn like like or like Richie, just R- homemade stuff, Richie stuff, or homemade stuff. Richie's primarily. Um, we have to drink Turkey Hill down here. It sucks. It's not as good as Richie's. Um, occasionally Schneider's and Turner's. Um, but at, even at school, like, cause at school in, in Altoona, you have to pay, you could, you, you got every meal came with a milk, a carton of milk, mm-hmm. or you could pay 50 cents more and get an iced tea. Well, I would just pay the 50 cents more to get the iced tea right. and then just hand the milk off to a friend. Oh, you got both. Even if you paid the 50, yeah, you even if one you, of the, it wasn't either yeah. or it was a, wow. Yeah. Okay. So well, that's again going back to the shortage. Every kid's supposed to be getting milk with their lunch, apparently, but not so much because there's no cartons, and apparently that much milk freaks people out. Well, those are, are you, a plant. Are, are you a chocolate? Your chocolate milk, pretty. Yeah, but I'm getting purely. kind of prudish about my chocolate milk now. Like it's mostly creamier, creamier Meyer dairy. 
because you, you can tell the difference between everybody else's stuff and it's just like why did i even do this yeah you know it's like i think i want some chocolate milk i'll, I'll give this a chance and you're just kidding yourself you're like it's not going to be as good but i'll pretend it pretend it is and then it turns out it's not so it's i'm gonna i'm gonna like. i'm gonna text the the, the Samsung family members that i have in my phone that are not steve and confirm the amount of milk that was drink that because drank at the Samsung family household that's healthy just, bones strong bones and bodies clearly clearly um okay how does this week's old guy young guy that was weird that that took a turn um <laughs> i'm i'm disturbed okay then i won't tell you about drinking the milk straight out of the thing at the, at the dairy farm that, that's like you could die from that steve that's all we had when I was growing up. My grandfather had a dairy farm, right? So you opened the the opened the container, right? The 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 thing from the cooler. You pulled it into a big glass jar. You put the lid back on the jar, closed the up, stuck it in your fridge. Then when you wanted to drink at home, there was cream no. at the top of it. You had to shake it up to get the cream mixed in. No, and then you drank it. No, that was that way until I went to college, probably. Oh my God, no, no, I'm so uncomfortable right I'll now. Tell you. This is a- I have like I am itchy. I am itchy right now from the fact that you drank making, milk. It's making your skin crawl. It's almost like I'm oh my Japanese. god, yeah, yeah. Oh my god, I am so uncomfortable right now. Um, okay, all right. We're gonna end the show. Uh, we're gonna wrap it up. We're not gonna talk about milk ever again. Uh, we are gonna talk about Steve's writing. Maybe writing something this week. I'm not sure. Um, it will not be. A, that will be an editorial decision. That it will not be about milk. Um, because I never want to think about the amount of milk ever again that Steve drinks. Um, other than that, we've got a podcast which you just listened to five stars, thumbs up, somewhere down here. Um, we've got a website called stuffsummersays.com. On that website, there's a section called with Steve. Steve, um, uh, we've got emails mine's Darian at stuffsummersays.com. Steve's is Steve at stuffsummersays.com. We've got stuff. I'm wearing stuff. I'm wearing my limited edition stuff. It is. It's. I'm like kind of sweating up here. It's very hot. Um. It's very. It's very comfortable. Very cozy. That was my other choice. That was. I was. That's why I was wrestling mentally early. I didn't know whether to wear the No Rivals T-shirt. I, the I knew FHS you were going with that pullover, or you know, the Death Wish coffee sweatshirt. I knew you were going with that, so that's why I wore this one because I just. Uh, it's our intuition. Um, and other than that, you have a social uh, media handle. Oh, we have social media handles. Uh, mine is at stuff summer says steve says at steve samsel uh all right we're getting out of here i'm gonna go drink some milk apparently four gallons of it in a week <laughs>